Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everyone. On page 14 of the Beginner Shiva Puja, we're going to begin with drawing a yantra near the lingam on a plate or in the space for worship. And you can draw it with sandal paste or with water. And actually what it has is a bindu, just a dot. And in the, the dot is in the center of an equilateral triangle. And then the three points of the triangle are touched by a circle. And then they're square touches four sides uh, of the circle. And so the square stands for Chatur Bhargo. Uh, that means the four reasons for manifesting in existence. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. Dharma is the ideal of perfection. Artha, the resources necessary to achieve the ideal. Kama, to be free from every other desire. And when those three are in harmony, we get moksha, which is liberation, otherwise known as self-realization. And we take a, a few grains of rice and put it on that yantra that we just drew on the altar, either on a plate or on the altar directly. If your altar is covered with a cloth, you want to put a plate down and draw the yantra in in the plate, if you're if you have tile or or granite or any kind of hard surface that that you can easily clean, then just draw it on the on the surface, and you'll put some rice, and you'll say, "Om, I bow to the primal energy. Om, I bow to the support of the earth. Om, I bow to infinity. Om, I bow to the earth. Be still in the causal body, in the gross body. Be still in the subtle." body, be still in the causal body, purify. And we place a container uh, upon the grains of rice which are sitting upon the yantra, and then we fill the water, the pot with waters drawn from all the, the rivers, the holy rivers of the land of the seven rivers, the land of Bharat, the land where the light of wisdom always shines. And we say, Om Ganges, Jamuna, Godavari, Saraswati, Narmada, Sindhu, and Kaveri, these waters are mingled together. So we have Ira and the Pingala, the Ganges and the Jamuna, and the five senses, which are the, the methods, the rivers of ingress and egress into the, the, the Ganindriyas, into the city of God. And these are the waterways by which we come inside and go outside. Now we're going to place three flowers into the water pot. With these scented flowers, Om, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. With these scented flowers, Om, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Om, with these scented flowers, Om, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. And then we'll use the Ankush Mudra. You may have seen it, you learned it in grammar school as the Ankush Mudra. Now we're pronouncing it as Ankush. It's like the goad that performs the uh, uh, pushing, moving the elephant along, and have Mr. Elephant get going. Uh, and so we're going to use the Ankush Mudra, and uh, uh, we're going to sing the mantra, Om Gangicha Jamanacheva Godavari Saraswati Narmade Sindhu Kaveri Jalis Guru. And then we'll say Om Namah Shivaya ten times. So we're putting the waters into a pot. Now we've got the uncontained 
contained waters. The rivers which flow in and out of the city of God were containing them, putting them into the container. All the rivers, over the waters from the holy rivers of Barat, the land where the light of wisdom always shines, are now contained in this pot. I just went and I drew water from the Ganga and from the Jamuna and the Godavari and the Sindhu and Kaveri, Saraswati and Narmada. I put them all together and here is the ocean where all the waters mingle together and we say Om Namah Shivaya ten times. I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. You are in these waters. And I'm going to take those waters that have been purified and I'm going to sprinkle them all over everything. Amritam Guru Swami, make this immortal nectar. I am one with God. Make this immortal nectar. I am one with God. And that is why we have purified the water so we can use the purified water in order to purify us. And then we take the purified us and we're going to purify everything we touch, everything we offer to God. Pu means punya, ja means jata, puja is the action which gives birth to the highest merit, the privilege of sitting in the presence of God. In the presence of God, we want everything to be pure. We want the highest sincerity. We want the greatest inspiration. We want to empower all the devotees of Lord Shiva to wake, make offerings with the greatest purity, clarity, the greatest understanding. Amritam Kuruswa. Amrit is the nectar of immortality, the ne nectar of mortal bliss. We call it the nectar of devotion. And we're going to make this the nectar of immortal devotion, eternal devotion. Swa means my own. Ha means Ishwar. God is mine, or I am God, or God is one with me. God is my own. I am one with God. Now we're going to use the Prathana Mudra and the, the Denu Mudra. And the Denu Mudra is also called the Amritikaran Mudra, the cause of making this immortal bliss. And you can feel when you put your hands together and you make a little bridge, and you make that bridge so that it, it, it the the Denu, it's the cacao, the flow of the bliss. The nectar of bliss is flowing through the, from the palms of your hands onto all the flowers. Prarthana means a prayer, and we're going to use the prarthana. This we're praying for all these flowers to become filled with the nectar of immortal bliss, pure devotion. They are the communicators, the conveyance of devotion. Om Pushpa Pushpa Maha Pushpa Su Pushpa Shu Pushpa Shambhave. Om flowers and flowers. Flowers, oh great flowers, excellent flowers, flowers in heaps and scattered about. Cut the ego, purify, I am one with God. And that's why we're pure. We took the pure waters from the pure rivers, we put them on the pure flowers, and now we're taking those pure flowers scattered about. Cut the ego, purify, I am one with God. This is the nature of and now we're going to offer each of those flowers I bow to she who tears apart thought I, I become quite thoughtless in her presence she just chandi she is the tearing apart all the duality 
With these scented flowers, Om, I bowed to the reliever of difficulties. Durgam means difficulties, obstacles. And Durga takes away the Durgam. And so that's why she is the reliever of difficulties. With these scented flowers, oh my bow, because she was beyond time. Kali, Kali, Maha Kali. And also she who takes away the darkness. Kal means darkness. And Kali takes away the call. So she takes away the time. She takes away the darkness. She takes away the darkness which is born in, of duality in time. With these scented flowers, oh my bow, to the goddess of true wealth, the Laksh. The goal, the objective, the definition, Lakshmi, the goddess who is the true wealth to me. You, what you value are your goals and your objectives and your treasure is where your mind sits. And Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth because she presides over all that you hold dear. Your values, your, your values are your wealth, your, your treasure what you think about, what you dream about, what you aspire to accomplish, that is your wealth. For some, it's, uh, sits, uh, she's a goddess who sits over the cash register because a lot of people put a lot of faith in the contents of the cash register rather than in what's written on them, in God we trust. But Lakshmi is the wealth in whatever terms you define that wealth. With these scented flowers, oh, my bow to the spirit of all-pervading knowledge, om sam sarasvati nama. Sara means an ocean, a reservoir, and swa means your own, and thi means the embodiment of, the personification of. I bow to the personification of the embodiment of the, my own ocean of objects and relationships, the knowledge of the correspondence between every atom of existence Existence with every other atom in existence, Saraswati. With these scented flowers, oh my bow to the creative consciousness. With these scented flowers, oh my bow to the consciousness which pervades all. Bish means the universe, and Nu means who pervades, and Bishnu who pervades the entire universe. With these scented flowers, oh my bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. With these scented flowers, oh my bow to he who takes away our ayah, namaha. With these scented flowers, I bow to the great lord of all, or the great seer of all, maha ishwara, maheshwar, maheshwaraya, namaha. And now I'm going to take this flower and put it in my left palm. I'm going to cover it with my right hand, and I'm going to recite this mantra, the meditation on Lord Shiva. How does he appear to us? Om, we always meditate upon he who shines like the white mountains because he's covered in ash. He looks like he's white. Ornamented by a digit of the moon on his head. He wears the half moon or the, 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 the portion of the moon on his head. His body shines like jewels. In his left hands he displays an axe and the mring mudra, which is the kalpatara mudra with the thumb and the middle and the ring fingers joined with the pointer and pinky extended up. And in his two right hands he shows the mudras granting blessings and fearlessness.
He is a beautiful appearance seated in a, the full lotus asan. On his four sides the gods are present singing hymns of praise. His wearing apparel is a tiger skin. He is before the universe and the cause of the universe. He removes all fear, has five faces and three eyes. On each face that gives him fifteen eyes. He remember his five faces are Satyojata, Bhavadeva, Agura, Tapurusha, and Ishana, the five aspects, the five personalities of the one supreme divinity, the consciousness of infinite goodness. Now I'm going to place the letters of his mantra into all the digits of my fingers so that I Everything I touch is touched by mantra, for mantra, with mantra, with the purity and clarity and the intention and the motivation of making the mantra manifest. I bow to Nang in the thumb, I bow. And Ma in the forefinger, I am one with God. And Sing in the middle finger, purify. And Bong in the ring finger, cut the ego and Ya. In the little finger, the ultimate purity and rolling hand over hand forwards and backwards karoto karishta beyond oh my bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness with the weapon of virtue Fat. oh my bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness oh nang i put in my heart i bow oh ma on the top of the head i am one with god Om Shing on the back of the head, purify. Om Bong, crossing both arms. That's my kavach. That's my armor. That's my protective suit. No inimical uh, uh, vibration can permeate my armor. Bong, cut the ego. Nya, netra triago, shut. In the three eyes, the ultimate purity. Om Namah a Roll hand over hand, forwards and backwards and... But purify. I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness with the weapon of virtue. And now, oh, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Oh, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Oh, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness a hundred and eight times or more. And probably more. Now, if you're worshipping at a picture, or if you're worshipping on a cloth, or if you're worshipping uh, uh, in any place where you're going to make a mess, put a little bowl down in front of your altar or to the side and collect all of the liquids that we're going to offer into a bowl. Otherwise, you could put the bowl underneath the yoni, underneath the spout of the Shiva Lingam and pour all the liquids on top of the Shiva Lingam and let them drip down into, uh, through the, over the spout and into the bowl and then you save yourself collecting uh, a big mess. Otherwise, uh, in, in India and down at Napeshwar, we made a, a, a drain in the bottom of the, the cement and all the liquids can flow out. Everything that we do not collect for charanamrit, for prasad, for offering, we just let it flow out into the gardens, into the forest. So now we're going to put a little bowl there and we're going to pour Om Namah Shivaya Padyam Samarpayami. I offer these waters for washing your feet. 
Om Namah Shivaya Payasnanam Samarpayami. I or bow to the we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this milk for your bath. It's a milk bath. Om we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this curd or this yogurt for your bath. Om we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this ghee for your bath. Om we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this honey for your bath. Om we bow to this consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this sugar for your bath. And if you've put all these ingredients into the bowl, take your spoon and stir the bowl. And oh, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer these five nectars, the ingredients, for your bath. Otherwise, you could just leave the bowl down at the end of the spout and collect the bowl. And you can put all oh, the five nectars, a little milk, Panchamritam Aikadatam Griharitwam Sureshwara Om Namashibaya you can put all five neck ingredients into one little pot and little one little bowl and pour it right over Shiva's head. And oh we offer you the panchamritam, the nectars of bliss, the immortal bliss of, of this offering. Now remember the milk is stands for the Kshirashamudra, the, the ocean of infinite consciousness the ocean of purity, the ocean of, of clarity, of pure devotion. And the dadi, the, the, the yogurt or curd, stands for the congealed or solidified, purified consciousness. So we have the atma and the paramatma. We have the individual manifested existence of consciousness and we have the infinite expanse of consciousness. Milk being the infinite expanse of consciousness and yogurt or dahi uh, curd being the individual form of consciousness. We have ghee which stands for illumination and ghee is the illumination of the atma, the jivatma, the individual soul in harmony with the paramatma which is the supreme soul. We have honey, which is the nutrition, and sugar, which is the sweetness. And now the union between the individual soul and the supreme soul is the illumination of nourishment and sweetness and goodness. And for all who come into contact with these five nectars, the nectars of immortal bliss. And that is the meaning of our offering, and that's why we're making this, this bath. And we're, we're putting the highest respect from us on the lowest part of our, of our guru, and we wash her feet, and we wash her, we wash all of that that we are permitted to wash with the five emblems of supreme bliss. The, the emblem, the, uh, the representative of pure devotion. And so we've, we've taken these five nectars, supreme consciousness undivided, the jiva-atma, or the individual soul, the illumination, the nourishment and the sweetness, and we mix it all together, and that is our offering of devotion to the feet of the guru. Om Namo Shivaya, we wash it all off with some waters from the Ganges. Uh, so with these bath waters, we wash off all the mess, get all the stickiness off her feet, get all the, and make it clean and pure and clear and, 
ready for the next step. Place a cloth with this and with this. We bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offering this, wearing apparel. We give him a cloth, we give him a dhoti, we give him a sari, we give him a shawl, we give him a shirt, a piece of cloth. With these scented flowers, home we bow to. With, with this, uh, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this Rudrakshabi. Now, Rudra Aksha. These are the eyes of Shiva. This is the Aksh of the He who takes away the tears. Asru Thrayate is Rudra. So we're giving the Rudraksha, and everyone who wears a Rudraksha, either one Rudraksha or a hundred and eight Rudrakshas, wherever you have a Rudraksha, the the. The Savitri asked the God of Death, what is the greatest offering that anyone could offer to any other person on the earth? And Yam said, wisdom. And Savitri said, well, I'm a young lady and I don't have any wisdom. What else could I offer? And Yam said, the next best is Rudraksh. The best gift in the physical world is Rudraksha because wearing the Rudraksha, everyone remembers that Shiva is always with you. And Shiva sees the eyes of Rudra, the eyes of the reliever of sufferings, the eyes of Shiva are always upon you. And there is nowhere you can go and nothing you can do that he will not see. So if you want to do anything inappropriate, please remember that Shiva is with you. There is no place you can hide. So we offer Rudraksha. With the, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this red colored powder. Remember the Sindhu. Sindhu Ramarunavasang. Sindhu is the symbol of the god of love. Aruna drives the chariot for the light of wisdom and the warmth of devotion. Surya is driven by the. He's, Aruna, the love, is the charioteer for the sun, who is the light of wisdom and the warmth of devotion. And we put it on our third eye so that everything we perceive we don't always look only through the two eyes that are coming from our, our manifested existence we look at the intuitive essence the inner being of everything we look at we look at the intrinsic nature of the circumstances of all existence and deeply into it with a an intensity of reality, as Ramya was to say, with a great intensity or the great intuitive awareness, we perceive the intrinsic nature of all that is through the eyes of love. Now, this is the perception that we sadhus and children of Shiva, our father, we wish to inculcate this capacity to go through life looking through the eyes of love and understanding, intuiting through the, the measure of love with the intuitive cognition. With the, with the, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this sandal pace. It, it's very cooling and it's very refreshing and it exudes a fragrant scent and it, it always brings us to a state of divinity and coolness. Keep your cool. Don't lose your composure. Don't explode. Maintain your center. With these, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer these grains of rice. 
These grains of rice give us the fruit of, of liberation and give me liberation from all the thoughts of mind. Give to me, give to me a mind in equilibrium and pure and stainless and spotless. I see the good in every situation. Give me that capacity now. With the flower garland, we bow to the consciousness of, in of infinite goodness and offer this garland of flowers and look at all the flowers that, that are sewn together and make uh, this one ornament of the divine. And this is the ornament that we're offering all the flowers, all the beauty, all the loveliness, all the good feelings, all the good bhavana, all the attributes that are positive that we wish to, to uh, make an, as an adornment to the one we love the most. And now let's offer this food, we bow to the, the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this presentation of food. We bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness and offer this drinking water. And with these scented flowers, oh, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Om, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Om, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Om, we bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. How good is that infinite goodness? Make it as good as it can get and then make it better. It's a lot of fun. Let's pause for a little bit and see if there are any questions so far. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Yes, please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika Ma. As Ganesh won the boon to always have the first puja, are these flowers offered in this order for any particular reason? Yes. Yes, this is Shiva's puja. And we're offering uh, our, our, our puja, uh, we're, we're offering to all the deities that are important in our tradition. So uh, we're offering first to Chandi and Durga and Kali, the three girls, and then the three boys, uh, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, and then the two forms of Shiva. Uh, these are the flowers that we're offering. Remember the first we offered was Ganesh. Sriman Mahaganadipataye Namaha. We took care of that, uh, that duty of acknowledging Ganesh first. That was the way the puja started. Now we're free to move in every direction which we choose. In the Devi Mandir, we worship Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasaraswati, Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh, and Chandi, and Durga. And Shiva is Haraya, Hara, Hara Mahadev. He takes away all that you don't want. Give him all the duality. Give him all that, uh, the, the negativity. Give him everything you don't. Give him the ego itself. He is Maheshwar, Mahan Ishwar, the great Lord of all, the supreme Lord of, of the or great seal of all. He can take everything away. We have a question from Vivekananda. Namaste Vivek. 
Why does Shiva cover himself with ashes? Are they cremation ashes or his Duni ashes or both? Actually, they were cremation uh, ashes when he dis uh, destroyed uh, Dushan uh, at uh, uh, Nageshwar. He was able to cover himself with the ashes, and he wore all the ashes from the cremation ground uh, as the uh, uh, as the demonstration that no evil can prevail over him. He may consume any substance as he is known to do. He may sit in the cremation grounds, as he is known to do. He may drink from the chillum and drink the wine and take care of all of the other Buddha pratas. He, he hangs out with ghosts and goblins and many other nefarious figures like us, as he is known to do. And he wore, wears them all as an ornament. Why that way? Why that way? Because Shiva takes away he takes away all the iniquities, all the duality, all the negativities from all the creation. When the gods and the demons churn the ocean of infinite consciousness, then the how how the great deadly poison was produced. And everyone was crying in consternation, this is the end of creation. It's going to destroy everyone. Shiva stepped forward and drank the poison. He took all away all the negativities to himself and that became the destruction of the negativities. He can recycle them and make them into the consciousness of infinite goodness. <laughs> Only Shiva has the boon. He, he will be free from Maya. Everyone else will be afflicted by Maya but Shiv remains free from Maya. He asked to see Mohini himself, and therefore when he saw Mohini and lost consciousness, Vishnu said, okay, you, you lost your consciousness, that's okay, I understand that everyone who sees Mohini will lose consciousness, but because you asked of your own accord, I give you the boon that you will see Mohini and be free from reaction. Everyone else will see Mohini and become afflicted. Okay, Vivekananda. Okay, Vivekananda. <laughs> we will all see Mohini and become afflicted. Shiva consumes all the negativities of creation and nothing afflicts him. He remains unaffected, and as sadhus, our goal is not to say, Oh, that's bad, I'm staying away. Oh, that's bad, that's good, I'm running towards it. Our goal is to remain in one asan, just like she does. Whatever comes, comes. Whatever goes, goes. We remain unattached and unaffected. Okay, Vivekananda. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question from Sadhana Shah. Namaste, Sadhana. When I'm offering deep in dup, sometimes I'm called to offer the articles to the space I'm surrounded by. Could this be considered Shiva in the form of Digambaraya? Yes, it can. There was a story of the sadhu who laid down in the temple. And as he laid down, his feet were pointing, pointing towards the Siva Linga. The Pujari came up with great anger and said, it's disrespectful for you to point your feet at the Shiva Lingam. And the sadhu replied, show me where the Shiva Lingam is not. 
So when the Pujari picked up the feet of the sadhu and moved them in this direction, and there was a Shiva Lingam there. And he moved the feet another way towards that direction, and there was another Shiva Lingam. And everywhere he pointed the feet, there was a Shiva Lingam, and the, the Pujari begged forgiveness. <laughs> and he begged pardon and said, okay, I understand. Yes, Digambaraya, who wears the directions as a garment, in every direction, Ramakrishna used to go into Dakshineshwar Mandir and throw the flowers everywhere. And all the pujaris would get very mad and say, why don't you do the puja, you dumb dumbbell? And he said, I am. <laughs> She's everywhere. He just felt effervescent love. There was nowhere where she was not. And so he gave the, for our practical purposes, we want to learn how to put the flowers in a row and put them where they are. Because if you put the flowers in their appointed positions, you will learn the mantras and memorize the mantras in the order and organization in which the pujas are written. And if you memorize the mantras in the organization and the order in which it's written, then you can look at the altar and see, did I miss a mantra? You've got a graphic representation of all the mantras that you recited. And that's the beauty and the simplicity and the efficacy of learning the pujas as they're written. Once you know the puja, it's your puja. No one can tell you how to do the puja. But you got to know it first before you say, okay, now I'm getting, I'm going to let go and let God. <laughs> okay, God, here are your flowers. <laughs> okay, Shiva, here's your Panchamrita Snan. <laughs> and just throw the bucket in any direction you want. You'll spend a lot of time cleaning your temple. <laughs> First, Learn the organization and the order and the, the meaning and the method of the worship as it is presented step by step. And then you'll have it all in here and you'll have it all in your mind and you'll have it all in your heart. And when your mind and your heart are in the same place doing the same thing and you know it's coming from here, you have the discrimination to know where you want to put the flowers. We have a question from Saranya. Namaste, Saranya. Pranam, what is the esoteric significance of uncooked rice? Also, after the puja, how should we dispose of the rice? Is it acceptable to cook it and eat it? It is acceptable to cook and eat. However, more often we make it as an offering along with the flowers and the other remnants from the puja. We give it into the forest, we give it into the garden, we give it to all the animals, all the other beings. I want to tell you a story about the idea that uh, uh, all the gods and goddesses wanted to do. And they, go, they called everybody, they said, Brahma, come to the Yajna. Brahma came. They called Shiva, Shiva, come to the Yajna. Shiva came. They called Vishnu, come to the Yajna. And Vishnu was so tired from fighting with Asuras, uh, he was sleeping on his bowstring. And all the gods said, Vishnu, Vishnu, wake up, wake up, we're having a Yajna. We can't start the Yajna until you wake up and come to the Yajna. Can't have a yagya without Vishnu. Vishnu was snoring very loudly. And gods got together and said, wait, we can't start the yagya without Vishnu. Somebody has to wake up Vishnu. 
and they looked at the situation and they discriminated very intuitively. They decided Vishnu was sleeping on top of his bow and they decided if they could cut the bow string, the bow would fall and then he, Vishnu would jerk and then he would wake up. So then they looked around the room and they said, who wants to cut the bowstring to wake up Vishnu? And everyone said, wait, whoever wakes up Vishnu is obviously going to get cursed. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to do. You can't wake up a meditating yogi. Or someone who's in sleep is as close to God as it comes. Let him sleep. And God said, no, 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 we've got to do the yajna now. It's the Shuvmurth. The sun is in the right place. The, the astrology is perfect. We've got to wake him up now and bring him to the yajna. And they called the ants. They said, ants, why don't you eat through the bowstring? And when the bowstring snaps, <laughs> Vishnu will fall, and then Vishnu will wake up and we'll invite him to the yajna. And the ant said, are you kidding us? What do you want us to do that for? We will definitely get into trouble. Why don't you do it yourselves? What's in it for us? And the gods got together and they thought, and they said, all the masala that falls outside the Hawan Kum, all the rice and the grains that are offered in the puja, Everything that is not consumed of the offerings, we're going to put outside the temple in the, in the garden, in the forest, at the foot of a tree, on the bank of a river, and that's your share. And the ants say, well, that's pretty good prasad. <laughs> that's a good reason. And they cut through the string, and they woke up Vishnu. And the gods were able to invite Vishnu to the Yajna. I don't want to go on to the rest of this story because that will be a whole other evening's class. And the story is part of the Puranas. I think you'll find it in the Swami Purana as well. And you'll find it in the Devi Bhagavatam. And it goes on for some chapters. So in any event, you'll take the, the rice and the grains that were offered on the altar, you take them and sweep them up and put them outside the temple and let the ants have their share. That's their prasad. It was a deal we made with them a long time ago. Sharanya, let's honor our obligation. We have a question from Jagadish. Namaste, Jagadish. In Guru Gita, Shiva himself gives so much importance to the Guru. So is it correct to first offer salutations to Guru or Ganesh? Ganesh, and then Guru. And Shiva is the Guru of all the Gurus, so by honoring your Guru, you honor Shiva. And every time you bow down to your Guru, you are bowing down to Shiva. But Ganesh won the boon that he will be the first to be worshipped. So by honoring Ganesh, you are honoring the tradition of your Guru. And thereby you are honoring Shiva. So that is the organization, that is the, the order of events. Sriman Mahaganati Pataye Namaha. First and foremost is Ganesh, and then comes our Guru and Shiva and all the rest. We have a question from Ramya. Namaste, Rami, Mami. It is such a blessing to do puja to God in any and every form. Yet, 
Is it important to have one Ishta Devata to go deeper within? Yes, it is. But that happens naturally. When you fall in love with a guru and say, that's the example I wish to emulate, then automatically you begin to assume her value system and her characteristics and her Ishta Deva or Devi, and you worship in the way that your guru worships and you, Dhyanal Bulam Guru Murtim. You're going to learn meditation by looking at the murti of the guru and the murti that the guru worships. And then you'll learn the puja from sitting at the feet of the guru and watching the way she worships and learning how she worships and trying to worship in the same way. So naturally, inexplicably, of its own accord, you will gravitate to the guru that worships in the tradition that's appropriate for you and in the bhavana in the way that it's appropriate for you to worship and you'll assume the values of your guru just as your guru just is her shisha so by taking a guru you're not just taking well I'm going to take a mantra from you and go off and do the rest of my life myself I, that's not a guru a guru is the example of what you want to become in your life and you want to worship the way she worships. And that means if she sits in front of Shiva and says, Om Namah Shivai, you want to sit in front of Shiva and say, Om Namah Shivai. And if she sits in front of Chandi and she says, Om you want to sit in front of her. And if she sits in front of the cosmic altar and chants the oh, oh, worship for all the deities of all all the traditions, you'll want to become so universal that you fit in everywhere where you go. Every temple you visit, you know the mantra, you know the Baba, you know the history, you know the tradition. You feel at home wherever you are. There are no limitations. Spirituality is not made to build walls around ourselves. Spiritual means tearing down the walls and becoming metaphysical, beyond the physical, and we become one with the, the bhavana, with the feeling, with the intensity of reality. Wherever we go, we fit. We fit right in. Just naturally we fit right in because we are one with every tradition. We are one with God. All these traditions are different ways of expressing my love for God. Then why would we worry about building walls around ourselves and making ourselves insulated from the rest of the world? We want to tear down all the barriers. So naturally you will gravitate towards one ishta even while you honor every tradition. That doesn't mean that you love the others less. Just means you've got an example in your life that you love more. Yes, please. We have a question from Ananda Shakti. Namaste Ananda Shakti. Namaste. To look at every situation as being good, does this mean that we that we never uh, feel that we or others have made mistakes, or that the mistakes are for the highest good, or that there were situations where we could have done something differently for the better? Well, either we get to celebrate because we did it right, or we get to celebrate because we learned something, how to do it right the next time. But it's all either, 
the good times are what we call a siksha, learning process. How do we do it? Uh, how do we maintain our equilibrium either, even while we're in elation, in a state of, of bliss? How do we control our egotistic tendencies and our tendencies of ahom and mom? Uh, so in the good times, I want to learn, how do I control myself and give the credit to God? And in the bad times is pariksha. It's the examination. Can I love God all the time? Can I think of God and think of the grace of God even in these horrific circumstances? This is my examination. Both in good times and bad times, we either get siksha or pariksha. And if you can remember that every circumstance is an opportunity either for learning or for examination, then it's all good. I'm right even when I did the stupid thing. Even though I blew it, I learned that this time, next time it will be different. We have another question from Vivekananda. Yes, Vivek. How does pouring the five nectars on Shiva during the puja help us to evolve our consciousness? Does each article trigger that within ourselves? It most certainly does, Vivek. If you remember that every time I'm pouring milk, I'm pouring the Paramatma on my symbol of the Supreme Consciousness. Every time I pour the yogurt, I'm, pour, pour, I'm putting forth the Jivatma. I'm giving you my soul in mixing my soul with the Supreme, the Paramatma, the Supreme Soul of all. And every time I give the ghee and I massage that Shiva Lingam with ghee and yogurt and milk, I'm putting forth the, the illumination of the unity between the Jivatma and the Paramatma. And every time I pour honey and I massage that honey, I have a sticky hand and I got this sticky hand with milk and yogurt and ghee and honey and now look at that <laughs> and I've just given forth the nourishment that comes forth from illuminating the unity between the, the supreme soul and the individual soul and I give forth the sugar and I rub it in oh does that feel good <laughs> just rub it in a little harder and when I rub it in, I've got nourishment and sweetness and illumination of the unity between the individual soul and the supreme soul. And I just went to a very blissful state. I have created the nectar of immortal bliss. Just with the nectar of my devotion, the sincerity and the purity and the clarity of my devotion, this intellectual understanding will be translated into a bhavana, into a feeling, into an intensity of reality. That this is my reality. I am given the privilege of worshiping you. This is puja. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You gave us the puja. Yes. We have a question from Srini. Yes, Srini Baba Namaste. How can we consciously use puja as a means to reduce our selfishness? Srini, every step of the puja, from preparation, purification, invitation, union, and offering, all five steps, every step is an opportunity to make Atma Samarpan.
I offer you my soul in equilibrium. That's why I'm here. That's the only purpose for which I sit in front of this altar, bearing these aches and pains, giving up my precious time, uh, spending a little bit of time with God, in order to say to God, I surrender my soul in equilibrium. And every mantra I read, every job I perform, every tap, every mudra, every kriya, every activity, every flower that I offer, everything that I'm doing is for the express purpose of demonstrating to you that I want you more than I want me. I want you more than I want my selfishness, my possession, possessiveness, my attachments. I want to attach myself to you. I am struggling to cultivate our relationship. I'm paying attention to you. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you my body. I'm giving you my soul. I'm giving you my knowledge. I'm giving you my action. I All as a demonstration of the sincerity of my love for you. This is called devotion. That's my only motivation for coming here to this altar today. And every day that I do come to this altar, not because I want to be the greatest sadhu on the block, not because I want to be well known and be able to sit in a chair and pontificate, not because I want to do anything else for self-aggrandizement, I only want you. Now, if that's my motivation and that's my inspiration and that's my objective and then everything that I'm doing in the context of this puja, Srini Baba, is designed to bring me closer to you, to help cultivate that relationship. So all that we're doing is making the effort to bow down to you and serve you and offer to you and give to you. And I'm giving from my heart and I'm giving from my person. I'm giving my things and I'm giving you my ego. I'm giving you my attention. I'm giving you my love. I'm giving you my wisdom. And there is nothing more that I will not give. I want to give you my all. Tomiva Sarvang Mama Deva Deva. You are my all. My God, my Lord of Lords. You are my all. We have a question from Swarupananda. Namaste Swarupananda. What is the benefit of memorizing the puja and performing it from memory as opposed to reading it from, from a book? Swarup, when you read those words that were written down by that guy, they're somebody else's words and somebody else's feelings, somebody else's poetry, but when you look me in the eye and say that it's true, I can see the sincerity just by looking into your soul. Your eyes are a window to your soul. If you just sit there and look her in the eye and tell her you love her, she will understand if it's true or if it's somebody else's book or if it's wishful thinking or if it's something that somebody wrote down 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago and somebody came along and picked it up and translated it and wrote it down, put it in a book and now I'm reading in the book. I love you. 
is very different from I love you. And the more we have it in memory, the less we need the book, we ne the less we have the distraction of looking to the side, to looking to the, I want to look you in the eye and say that like I mean it. That's the sincerity of my Vyakulata. That it's intensity, that intensely longing, deeply intuitive intensity of reality which is so sincere. It is my reality right now. That's what we're cultivating. I love you so much I'm just going to memorize every, all the knowledge about you. And then I can look you in the eye and tell it to you. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma! As we do the pujas, are we able to become mini Shivas, taking in the impurities of the world and giving to the world greater peace, a wash in divine love? Not just mini Shivas, Julia, you become maxi Shivas. You become the consciousness of infinite goodness and your primary seva to this world is to consume all the negativities and return the positivities. Just like Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. In the same way we will prepare ourselves to make the supreme sacrifices. We will give up our ego, we will give up our attachments, and we will say, I accept circumstances of the world. I accept your offering with the love and the joy, with the bhavana, with the feeling with which you choose to offer, I accept. And I give you blessings. And if you choose to offer me this thing or that thing, that's up to you, I accept and return blessings. Whatever you choose to offer, and you may choose to offer insult, I accept. You may choose to offer praise, I accept. You may choose to offer ashes, I accept. You may choose to offer something very good, I accept. But know that whatever you offer, patram pushpam toyam falam, yomei bhaktya pratyachati, you can give me a leaf, you can give me a flower, you can give me a drop of water, you can give me a piece of fruit, whatever you give me with devotion, I accept. And I give you my blessing. And that's the bhava of Shiva. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste, Sadhana. Namaste. If I wanted to give a gift of a Rudraksha to an individual who doesn't follow this specific path, what would be the best way to explain what it means? Well, if you want to get philosophical, you could explain the full meaning. Otherwise, you could say it's a beautiful ornament of the gods and it's just a blessing and I want to share this with you. And it's a piece of jewelry which is very rare and very, very positive. It has no bad effects and it will bring good fortune. And remember that God is giving you a blessing and I am 
the conveyance of that blessing. So this is the intention with which I am making this presentation. Now, if their interest is, is piqued and you're, they become more curious, they can ask you more questions. You can go into the philosophical implications. But on the surface, keep it simple. Just give them the ornament of your love. Give them the blessing. I, I, this is something I want to share with you. I think it's a blessing. It's really beautiful. It's a very rare bead that comes from the Himalayas. And I got one of these just for you to show to you how much I appreciate your presence in my life. That could be sufficient. Don't have to make a big deal out of everything. We're not here to convert the world. We are striving to convert ourselves. We know who abhors violence in every form. Hingsha is gone. Sada charana tatvara, always striving for pure, clear, truthful behavior, respecting all the wisdom of the world, appreciating all the teachers of wisdom, all the examples of wisdom in the world, practicing your own form of devotion and meditation and worship. Such a one may be said to be Hindu. I'm trying to convert me. Please do not think I'm trying to convert you. What a waste of time. First let me become perfect. Then I'll think about how I can make you perfect. First I want to become perfect. Let me convert me. So I believe it all the time and I never miss a breath. Then I will have the gravitas with which to go out and proselytize and try to convert the, the heathens, the unconverted. Our first duty is to convert me. And all of you, please help as much as you can try to convert me to live the ideals which I profess. If you see discrepancies between my words and my behavior, please let me know and ask me, why are you doing what you said you won't do? I'll probably tell you. So I want you to help me convert me and I promise to the extent of my capacity in my free time when I'm not working on me, I will try to inspire you to work on yourselves. Just as I'm requesting from you the empowerment to work on myself. And that's our goal. It's not to proselytize or not to convert anyone else. It's to convert ourselves to a true form of living our beliefs. All the time, not part-time. I don't want to be a, a, a Saturday sadhu. I don't want to be a part-time sadhu. I want to go all the way. I don't want to go the middle road. I'm not a Buddhist. I promise you, I would never make it as a Buddhist. I don't believe in the middle way. 
I want to go all the way. 100% hook, line, and sinker. I'm gone. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaste.